The Steinberg Show, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. It's Volksfest. Purchase an Atlas and you can get up to $4,000 bonus cash and no charge on winter tires. FifthAvVW.com. Well, we want to score, right? We went on the road, we didn't score. We didn't score in two games. We had some good looks. We had a, some good looks here at home, too. Like It's not like we're not getting looks, and I think we need one to go in. It'd be nice to get one in the first 10 minutes, but I'm sure they're not going to let that... Uh, happen if it does happen they're not going to let it happen easily so we've got to go out and earn our offensive opportunities well these guys aren't scoring right now you can tell they're feeling it in a bad way you can tell that they're gripping it and you can tell that they know that they are not scoring right now there's head coach bill peters ahead of tonight's game three straight losses one total goal for the Flames going back to six nights ago here at the Scotiabank Saddledome against the Dallas Stars. Making some changes ahead of tonight's game as well. Bad weekend. Up comes Zach Ronaldo from AHL Stockton. He's in the lineup tonight. Backland Monaghan flipped at center for this game tonight. So it'll be Backland centering, I guess, what you would call the top line. And Monaghan bumped to the number two center spot. And on top of all of that, Kleiner, this team is dealing with injuries in a big way. Already Valimaki, already Zarnik on the shelf. They lose Travis Hamanick in that game Sunday against the Golden Knights. He won't play tonight with a lower body injury. Sam Bennett week to week with an upper body injury. We found that out this afternoon. And we know that TJ Brody is continuing to recover from what happened late last week. So all of a sudden, you've got an interesting recall. You've got forward lines that have been juggled up a little bit. You've got some injury issues the Flames are facing all of a sudden. The uh, climate for this game tonight against the Colorado Avalanche uh, became that much more interesting. It's going to be a very interesting look for the Flames tonight at the Dome. Yeah, they've trained, uh, changed up almost everything except for that third forward group, and you're going up against a team that dummied you in five games in the playoffs last year. So things are fine right now in Calgary. It's pretty well just status quo. No, Is this it, where it, you would use that gif of the, the cartoon person sitting in flames? And yeah, the, the dog surrounded by, by flames. Yeah. It's fine. Everything's fine. It's all this good. This is fine? Is that, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the gif that you yes. would use right now? Yeah, that, that is a very fitting gif for, uh, for what I'm talking about. By the way, uh, shout out to you for proper pronunciation. It is pronounced GIF. Uh, don't come at me on that one. But yes, no, uh, it, it's... I never know. I've always... Because some say it's GIF, but I, it, I, I've i always felt like it's GIF. It's I, definitely I'm... GIF. It's... Okay. The, the first word is... Anyway. Flames. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sam Bennett uh, being out is what it is. That blue line is going to be interesting to see where all the minutes go tonight. Because that is going to be a yep. big bump up in responsibility for one Michael Stone. And I think that's going to be the the most intriguing part of this game today to see how Stone and Hannafin A, mashes. I, I don't believe they spent a lot of time playing together, and just to see how he handles uh, a boost in responsibility. It's been a long road back for Michael Stone to get to this point, uh, at, at one point not even onto the team, and then comes back to the team. Now he's playing a top four role against, while beat up, still a very good Colorado Avalanche team to me. That's the, the big story for this game this evening. Well, let's get right to it as we welcome you to the Steinberg Show on a game day from the Scotiabank Saddledome, game day for South Point Toyota. We're live in our Better Business Bureau hot stove lounge right now, and here's what we can tell you about the game tonight. It's a 7 o'clock face-off right here from the Scotiabank Saddledome. Uh, we've got it for you starting at 6 o'clock with your Calgary Flames warm-up. 
the puck drops just after 7 with Ryan, Rick, and Kelly on Sportsnet West. That's where you can find this one on television this evening. Uh, in terms of the lineup, we know that David Riddick will get the start in net for Calgary, and after missing a few starts, with a minor injury, Philip Grubauer is back for the Colorado Avalanche tonight. Those two go head-to-head in net. For the Flames, the lines as follows. Michael Backlund between Johnny Gaudreau and Elias Lindholm. Uh, Sean Monahan will center Andrew Mangiapane on the left and Matthew Kachuk on the right. So essentially flipping Backlund and Monahan is what they've done at center. Uh, Derek Ryan will play with Milan Lucic and Dylan Dubé, which was a trio that we saw uh, for all of Sunday night in Las Vegas and finally Mark Jankowski with Michael Frolik on the right and Zach Ronaldo on the left. You mentioned Michael Stone getting bumped up to play in a top four role. That's because no Travis Hamanick on top of no TJ Brody tonight. So it'll be Giordano with Anderson, Hannafin with Stone, Shillington with Brandon Davidson who makes his Calgary Flames debut. And that's what we're looking at in terms of this lineup this evening. And, and you talk about not having Brody, well, I think you can withstand the loss of one of those defensemen because of the versatility of Anderson and his ability to play on the third pairing and the top pairing and and bump right up and be just fine with Mark Giordano. So I I think that you're okay if you lose one of your right side defensemen, but now all of a sudden you're without Hamannick and you're without Brody that forces Davidson to come in and forces Stone to play in a much more elevated role uh, on the back end. And and it's, it's all of a sudden a blue line Kleiner that does not look anywhere near as deep as it did uh, when we were talking in the summertime and that's what's going to happen when you lose Valimaki in training and then also are without Hamannick and Brody. I think that would be the same case with most teams in this Mm -hmm. NHL but boy, now all of a sudden this is a real test for the depth of Calgary's defense and and they've got some high-end offensive players on the other side that they've got to go up against in doing so. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see how they handle being wrapped in bubble wrap tonight because there, there is no chance the Flames can afford to have any other defenseman go down with an injury because she dries up real quick after that. It's, it is. It's a real test of the Flames' depth on this blue line. It's going to, I think, put even more of a workload on already very well-tested David Riddick. And I think something that we've been talking about a lot with this Flames team this season is going to have to really step up tonight. You're going to need to see the forward group be a bit more responsible defensively tonight to kind of help out your your blue line that is basically just complete patchwork together, which is why I'm fascinated with the change down the middle with Backlund moving away from Kachuk and at times for a leak as well. But Backlund joining Lindholm along with Goudreau, Kachuk, Monahan, and Manjapani. I... I'm interested to see how those groups work in their own end tonight, uh, along with on the offensive side, because I think that's going to be key for the Flames this evening. Yeah, well, and and it's an avalanche team that isn't as deep as they usually are because they're without their two of their three most important forwards. Uh, no Landeskog, no Ranton, and we know that that's been the case for a number of weeks now. But when you're talking about when you're talking about Donskoy, who's got 14 points, and you know that Nazem Kadri's been a great fit there. We obviously know what Nathan McKinnon's all about. He's got 29 points in 20 games. Uh, like You're still talking about some talent. You're still talking about players that are able to put the puck in the net, and they've been able to tread water during this stretch of injuries. So even without 
without Landis Gog and without Ranton and without Tyson Jost, I believe, as well. Like, when, when you're talking about that for, for the Avs, yeah, they're not as deep as, as they were, for instance, even in the playoffs in April against the Flames, but doesn't mean that they're still not dangerous on the other side. So I'm really curious to see what the forward roles are like. Do they try to get... Do they try to get Monaghan away from McKinnon? And do they try to go top line versus top line and use Backland and those wingers against the McKinnon line? I'm, I'm fascinated to see how that plays out tonight. Yeah, I, I'm really interested too because you look at Manjapani, Monaghan, and Kachuk, that looks much more like a scoring line and you put Lindholm and Backland together. I know Gaudreau on the left side probably isn't going to be a Selkie nominee at any point, but th- those w- with Backland and Lindholm, those are two guys who are very responsible in their own end. So how they're going to utilize their forwards tonight uh, is going to be something I'm very fascinated to see when the puck drops at 7 o'clock tonight. What uh, what do you make of the Zach Ronaldo recall? Uh, that that was not one that I uh, I like. I do know that they've been looking at different players in the American League for quite some time. There's a a long list of guys that they like what they're bringing in Stockton. Uh, Bill Peters today mentioned Ryan Lomberg, and and they were potentially thinking about bringing him in. I know that Buddy Robinson and Byron Fraze have impressed down there already. Dylan Dubé is on this team. He was recalled prior to Sunday's game against the Golden Knights. Like, you know, they're definitely hoping that with Bennett out, with Zarnik out, uh, they're hoping that maybe some of these players from the American League can pop in and and infuse a little something. But uh, what do you make of the Ronaldo recall today. Well, it's it's pretty clear what the message is, and he he said as much in the, the clip that we heard with Lou in Hockey Central at noon. He knows he's coming in here to crash and bang into things and be an energy guy and try to get things going for the Flames. And from a, a Calgary perspective, I see what they're going for because this has been a team that it's taken a lot, and unfortunately, it's generally taken a couple goals from the other team to really get this team to kick things into gear, so I'm assuming the hope would be from the Flames' side that Ronaldo crashes into some things, it makes loud noises, it gets people engaged, it gets the building fired up, and that gets the rest of the team fired up. My problem is, this is a team that didn't score any during the weekend, and I don't know if all of the none goals that Ronaldo scored in the American Hockey League really gets me thinking that this was the move that needed to be made. I I don't get this one. I It's not a move I would make. I see what they are going for, but I, I don't think this solves the Flames' biggest issue right now, and that's goal scoring. Well, and I don't think that anybody would suggest he's being recalled no, no, I to know he's solve not. that. Right, like I mean, right. the 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 Flames' goal scoring woes get solved when Monahan starts playing more of an impactful role, and Gaudreau starts playing uh, much better hockey, and and Lindholm gets back to the guy that he was earlier in the year. Like that's how this team's goal scoring drought comes to an end. And look, there's also right. been some there's also been some some bad luck. There's also been some some stretches there where they've been getting opportunities, and for whatever reason, those opportunities aren't being finished, and the puck's not going. Going in, but that like I don't think Ronaldo's here to uh, help them score more goals. I no. think Ronaldo's. I think they're just looking for something to be a little bit different. Yeah, is, they're looking for some I more energy in the here. lineup, and I and I understand that. But when the Flames were at their best last year, they were able to roll four lines and have at least a bit of success with all four mm-hmm. lines in the offensive end. And I just I don't see that with how this team is currently constructed right now. Yeah, and I mean, I'm, I'm curious as to how the um, the PK looks with uh, Reader not uh, on the team anymore. Reader's been sent to the American League, and I think Reader was fine for what he was. Like, you know, 
as a 12-13 forward in a limited five-on-five role and a penalty-killing role, uh, he brought speed, he brought pace, um, he was able to help in transition. There's not a lot of offensive upside on Reader at all, um, but I thought that in his role, he was just fine. Ronaldo brings something a little bit different, a little bit more of that little ball of hate, wrecking ball type mentality. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know at this stage of Ronaldo's career how effective an NHLer uh, he's going to be, but I think you know what they're expecting out of him tonight, and that's to go and hit everything that moves and and to be that guy that is tough to play against in that regard and, and who makes you look over your shoulder when he, whenever he's on the ice. That's what they're looking for Ronaldo to bring to the ice mm. tonight. Yeah, they're, they're looking for an energy guy to be a little bit more difficult to play against to, to get – a team that has been off to some lackadaisical starts uh, a little bit more engaged. I, I, I totally see that, and I can see where the Flames are coming from with that. Uh, on the Glenn Morati fan feedback text line, 960-960, here's what we've uh, got on uh, our response. So, this reads, uh, well, boys, I just went back to the bank, and I took all my money out, all of it, and I bet it on Colorado tonight. I'll be a wealthy man soon. <laughs> uh, that uh, person is uh, feeling rather skeptical about the uh, chances tonight. Um, Pat is back. Don't you ever take a day off again. We need you to help keep Pinder in line. That comes from hmm. John Klein. What did you let Pinder get up to yesterday? Well, I, I don't think – I actually – I kind of – was a little surprised. I thought Pinder would be very much full of piss and vinegar and just steamrolling everything. I was the one who was a bit more steamrollish, and he was the the more measured response person yesterday. So um, I, I thought, as far as Pinder goes, he wasn't super Pindery yesterday. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't listen to a single bit of our radio oh. station yesterday, so I. Uh... Well, you missed out, sir. I did get $140 off my speeding ticket, which I went to fight, though. That was my big <laughs> win of the day. Two demerits off, $140 off. That was a big win for Steinberg yesterday. Uh, what else we got here? This from Mike. Think Backlund and Gaudreau could really hit it off. If Backlund can start holding onto the puck and creating more time and space for Gaudreau, this could be the tonic he needs to get it going. Um, this reads the GIF GIF debate is moot when it's a meme. Uh, it's also no that one we were talking about is also a GIF. So don't 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 try to be don't try to be snarky on this one. Um, Pat, what is the likelihood we're expecting too much and have too high expectations regarding thirteen and twenty three? What is the probability they're more comparable to Kessel and Duchesne when it comes to role performance balance? They would be elite complementary pieces, but not ideally suited in being the guys. Looking at past performance and really analyzing when where they've had the most success, I'm wondering if the real goal should be finding acquiring someone to help complement Kachuk to be the guys. I love love Backlund, but imagine a Malkin in that role. Just a thought. Have a great day. I don't know if Malkin is the right tonic, um, but... Although, like, if, if you traded for Evgeny Malkin, I think things turn around here. Like, I just putting that out there. I, I think Evgeny Malkin is your number one center. Certainly would help some things, for sure. Peter Klein suggesting the Flames would be trading for Evgeny Malkin. That's yeah. on uh, Primetime Klein's Twitter right now. <laughs> um, but, but the other question about Gaudreau and Monaghan maybe not being the guy. Yeah, I've absolutely got those questions right now. I absolutely worry about that or am concerned about that or am skeptical of them being the guys who 
kind of are the driving forces of a long playoff run and of of a championship caliber team. I, I do have my skepticism there, one hundred percent. And it's why I keep going back to Lindholm at center because and and, and the, here's here is another chance to do and and they look I'm going to keep harping on it and sound like a broken record and I know Pinder's on the same page I just I don't I don't know if right now on this roster the players that they have being utilized at center they have got I'm very skeptical they have got that guy that leads you deep in the postseason and that elite number one center that the truly elite teams have and that what i preface that with the guys they've got playing center whereas if they move lindholm there i think that there's a chance that maybe they do and and i don't know for sure because we've seen it for such a small period of time but i i just i i really keep going back to that is what if that is the answer? What if all this talk about Malkin or going out and acquiring this guy or trying to like those guys aren't usually available via trade. They're not usually av- available via free agency. So if you might have that guy inside your organization right now, that is probably the best solution to at the very least explore. That's why I keep going back to the to the Lindholm conversation. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm with you. I loved how Lindholm looked down the middle. Now he had the two best playmakers on the team helping him out, but I I really liked that Kachuk Lindholm control line and I'm with both of you guys in wondering why that experiment ended after just two games. Um the thing with Monahan and Gaudreau right now, I'm I'm not I'm not even asking them to be Hop on, boys. We're going to carry you to the Stanley Cup, guys. I'm just asking them to play to their hockey DB page right now, and they aren't even doing that at this point. So that's that's where I, I have a, a bit of a, a thing against that text. Is I I don't think I'm expecting too much from the guy who is typically hanging around 30 goals to once again get to around 30 goals. And right now, Monahan or Gaudreau haven't really shown that. Yeah. Uh, somebody says it's is it gift peanut butter or GIF peanut butter? Where are you on that one, Klein? Well, it's GIF peanut butter, but GIF... <laughs> Look. <laughs> I love your exasperation. Like this, this actually makes you angry, and, and I'm here for it. Yes, it does. Because with GIF, the... <sighs> it bugs me how much you're enjoying how much I don't like what is happening right now. Um, the, the first word in GIF is graphic. <laughs> you don't pronounce it graphic. So thus, it's GIF. That's all I have to say about graphic. Yeah. Hey, can we get the uh, can we get the graphics department on this? No, it's graphics. The first word in GIF is graphic. Now, here is the most important question, though. What if it's a GIF of a giraffe? Does that make it a giraffe? Wow. Join us live on location uh, at Adrenaline Source for Sports on November twenty eighth. It's American Thanksgiving, uh, which, you know, for us means lots of football during the day and, and an awesome afternoon. At Adrenaline Source for Sports, it means it's the day before their Black Friday sale. Looking for the perfect gift this holiday season? The Adrenaline Holiday Gift Guide for the Hockey Lover. Now live at sourceforsports.ca. Adrenaline Source for Sports, 9309 McLeod Trail Southwest. Uh, join us on November 28th ahead of Black Friday from Adrenaline Source for Sports. We've got a couple of tight ends to target on your Week 12 fantasy roster. All kinds of waiver wire advice coming your way next. Steinberg 
Steinberg Show is underway. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The Steinberg Show, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. It's Volksfest. Purchase an Atlas and you can get up to $4,000 bonus cash and no charge on winter tires. FifthAvVW.com. Welcome back to the Scotiabank Saddledome. Week 12 of the NFL season is upon us. It is waiver time, and we've got a couple of tight ends that uh, you might want to target in just a second uh, with our Sportsnet fantasy analyst, Andy McNamara, who joins us on Tuesdays here on the Steinberg Show on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. And before we get to fantasy football talk with Mr. McNamara, have to take a look back at the weekend that was in the CFL, also the host of Third and Long across the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, Andy, Hamilton beats Edmonton, Winnipeg outlasts Saskatchewan. What'd you make of the weekend in the CFL? Man, well, first of all, how you doing, brother? This is a, uh, boy, a great week of NFL football coming up, and of course the Grey Cup. Yeah, this, this, I just cannot believe the juicy storylines we have going into this Grey Cup, and it all revolves around the quarterbacks, right? Like, the Zach Caleros redemption story, <coughs> pardon me, I mean, I'll choke up here, continues, <coughs> and I just can't believe what Zach Caleros and Winnipeg has been able to do with that offense, and and think about, like, he is conquering each step of the way of teams that, that have, have let him go and cast him aside. And now he gets the one shot, the final shot at Hamilton, where he was so close to being an MOP candidate in 2015 before he got injured. And for the Ticats, like, Dane Evans, I interviewed him last week on third and long. Dane Evans, out of nowhere, has become a, a, a true bona fide CFL starter, so much so that it's in the conversation of what to do for Hamilton this offseason between him and Jeremiah Masoli. I think it's going to be a, a terrific game. Yep, and they uh, they certainly have got themselves a big-time question to ask this offseason. And it's funny, when you talk about the Caleros redemption arc, beats his former team against the Riders and, and does so in, in pretty nail-biting fashion and now gets a chance against his other former yeah. team in the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So, look, I mean, everybody looks at the Tiger Cats, and, and they did a pretty good job of dismantling Edmonton on Sunday afternoon. Everybody looks at this Tiger Cats team as, as pretty close to invincible, but how Mm-hmm. How tight do you see this Grey Cup matchup between Hamilton and Winnipeg? To me, this has to be kept close early for the Blue Bombers to have a start. And I, I, Their ace in the hole for Winnipeg is their unpredictability on offense because they're, they've done such a great job of not putting too much on Caleros, who's still quite honest, he's working his way back. He's still not in, in, even in full swing because he missed so much time. But they're doing such a great job of, okay, when they had the ball on offense, Caleros could throw it. Caleros could run it. You could slide in Chris Strebler. And, oh, yeah, you got, you got Andrew Harris back there, too. So there are so many different dimensions that you have to prepare. And I think what it does is it avoids oppositions of being able to say, okay, you know what, we're going to pin our ears back and just blitz. Or, you know what, we're going to drop everybody back. Like, it keeps offenses on their toes. So as long as they can, is that Winnipeg defense can hold early and keep it close, the Bombers have a true shot. But if Hamilton gets out early, then I think this one could be a, a runaway because, as you said, they are, wow, uh, as complete as, as any team we've seen in recent memory. It's, uh, it's been quite a year. 
Well, and two massive droughts are coming to an end. Early 1990s for Winnipeg, the last time that they won a Grey Cup. They've got the longest drought in the CFL. Hamilton, second longest. Uh, I remember vividly uh, the 1999 Grey Cup where they beat Calgary. So, like, two two pretty passionate groups of fans finally get to, or, well, one passionate group of fans gets to celebrate a championship. We know that, and it's going to end a long drought. So I'm, I'm happy for Ticats fans, and I'm happy for Bombers fans, it's unfortunate that one team's going to lose, though. Yeah, and that's it. It'll be one fan base that continues to be snake bitten. So it's uh, hey, and you know what? Got a great atmosphere out there for the Grey Cup too, right? Like it's it is going to be. Uh, I just hope I'm not sure what the weather forecast is. I just hope we don't have anything too crazy weather wise. That's what I know. It's kind of fun to see visually if it's snowy and all that. But when people are sliding all over, I want to see the two best teams face off and have the elements at a limit so we can see the stars showcase it, it, yeah. it can be fun with the yeah it's slipping all over but i i usually enjoy just seeing it okay let these guys go and see who the real best team is because then there's no excuses yep well let's get into uh, some week 12 fantasy football my man uh you can catch andy at 6 a.m calgary time uh talking fantasy football on sundays and uh catch him across the sportsnet radio network and on twitter uh as your fantasy analyst uh week 12 starts on thursday and you've got a couple of tight end options to look at and this has been the most difficult position all year to be confident in tell us uh, first of all mm-hmm. about jacob hollister in seattle and why you like him going forward yeah this is boy man like first of all we work in the vibes you're not going to have travis kelsey or hunter henry or even kyle rudolph austin hooper's still out george kittle isn't 100 percent. neither's evan ingram so it's like okay <laughs> you know, what are you trying to do and oh yeah by the way you're in a playoff push or seeding situation in your fantasy football league so what do you do well I'm looking at Jacob Hollister here for the Seahawks, um, an NFL.com fantasy league. He's owning just 11.4%, DraftKings 4,300. And you got to look at, I'm not one to, to chase or go with one-offs. So you have to, if you're, you're kind of new on the scene, you have to prove it to me a couple weeks at least to see if you're legit. And the yardage is not going to be there. This is not a, a guy who's going to be putting up 100 yards, but he's a touchdown machine, and Russell Wilson trusts him. Big-bodied red zone tight ends, we saw him take advantage of Will Disley, and now the last couple of weeks before thereby, Jacob Hollister has been that guy. 12 catches, three touchdowns, 16 targets, and he's uh, in the high teens, low 20s for fantasy points. So he's going to be available there. He is touchdown dependent. That's the only um, real downside to it. If, if for some reason he does get, get stuff and doesn't score, you know, you're going to get like five catches for 40 yards, and it's not going to be... It's not going to be a great day, but there is, he is displaying that there is that upside to him. So that's somebody, if you're, you're desperate, you're looking, you might want to go there. And the other guy to take a look at is all year, I think people have been wondering, okay, well, when is Chris Herndon going to be coming back? And, and mm-hmm. oh, geez, if you, could, if you could stash him for a little while, he could be really huge for you in the second half of the season. What, he got one target in his return and <laughs> he's done for the season. So uh, the guy who's been taking a lot of those reps with the New York Jets is Ryan Griffin. Uh, tell us a little bit more about him. Yeah, and this is a situation where, like you said, but oh, well, Chris Herndon, Chris Herndon, okay, coming back. He's kind of, it's kind of weird. Like, on the Jets, I feel Robbie Anderson's in that same vein of, like, yeah, you got to keep him. And then you look, and it's like, well, he hasn't done anything, like, almost ever. Like, he flashed, like, twice. And for Chris Herndon, there's all that upside, but he hasn't been able to get onto the field. So now, 
what's been happening? Well, you got your replacement in Ryan Griffin. And all of a sudden, you start looking, and it's like, well, hold on a sec. This Ryan Griffin dude's doing, doing pretty well. And you got that report with Sam Darnold. And you have it where he's, he's that big six-foot-six body, similar in the case of Jacob Halter, two very similar guys, um, widely available on waiver wires and affordable on DraftKings at 4200 bucks. Um, and as a, a, a TE2 kind of streamer, I'm actually kind of liking the stack option if you do go in DFS of Darnold and Griffin for some contrarian points there because it's not going to be super popular versus the Raiders. But it, let's look. 109 yards and a touchdown on five catches, 21.9 fantasy points in PPR. Not a one-off at all. He catches pretty much everything that goes to him. And when he's been given the chance, so when a Herndon hasn't been floating around or there hasn't been, uh, I remember Sam Darnold missed all that time with injury, when he has actually gotten legit snap counts in a winnable situation, he's gone three double-digit fantasy point uh, 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 efforts in those three out of five games. So for Ryan Griffin... Mm -hmm. You're desperate. You need someone like that's another guy you can slide in. The difference being Ryan Griffin did go for some notable yardage. So he might even be a better option than Jacob Hollister. With Andy McNamara, our Sportsnet fantasy analyst, joins us Tuesdays. We look ahead on the waiver wire. It's week 12 waiver wire that we're focusing in on this week. Uh, at running back, all of a sudden, Marlon Mack's on the shelf in Indianapolis. Uh, any interesting options in Indy that, that might pop up with his absence? Well, the key here is the short week. And if it was a Sunday, I might be a little bit more dicey on who to pick up and start. This is going to be Jonathan Williams, uh, Jordan Wilkins, is the was the usual backup for Marlon Mack. He had an ankle issue. Jonathan Williams came in. Naheem Hines is the third down change of pace with Mack out. Hines is still, maybe his role gets elevated a little bit, maybe a couple more touches, but he's not an in-between-the-tackles guy. I think along the lines of a Duke Johnson. He's out there. He's going to catch the ball. So he's only PPR relevant. Um, a high floor, very low ceiling for Hines. So his role isn't going to change too much. But Williams, on this short week, if, if Wilkins gets in, I cannot imagine he's going to get a full workload. But you look what Williams did in the available situation that he had, went for over 100 yards, and looked really dynamic. So you've got that. We forget how good the offensive line is for the Indianapolis Colts. That's why it was so frustrating when Andrew Luck retired. It's like, we finally got your line. What are you doing? Come on. We finally can protect you. Uh, Jonathan Williams is somebody that went 13 touches, 116 yards, and he had um, a pass caught as well for 31 yards. So you put him up against Houston, who's coming off of that dud, and, geez, you know what? They're uh, uh, giving up the 11th most points to running backs. Jonathan Williams is owned right now in Yahoo League. Pat, 6%. Go get him. Get him yep. popping in and, and enjoy yourself. Um, keep track, of course. If, if there's something that comes out health-wise, Wilkins is going to play 100%, then, you know, be uh, be cautious there, but Williams is the guy to own in the short term. After this week, no promises. What about Chase Edmonds? Uh, Chase Edmonds mm -hmm. in Arizona. Why is he? You you look at him as an interesting handcuff option, hey? Yeah, and this is what uh, it's a strategy I've I've looked at and developed over the last couple of years of players that are on bye weeks are often ignored, and it's kind of forgot. Okay, that team's not playing. Don't don't worry. If you take the longer view. Look at those under the radar or sleeper type players and injuries during the bye week that might be you might be able to exploit and pick up then instead of the following week when everyone's like, oh, this team is back, I'm going to go pick them up. Chase Edmonds, because David Johnson did 
nothing again last week. He's clearly hurt. I don't know why Cliff Kingsbury keeps dressing him, but it's Kenyon Drake's backfield for now. But we remember before that hamstring injury, Chase Edmonds was on fire for three straight weeks. He averaged 23.1 fantasy points. He is trending towards having that hamstring taken care of and good to go after the bye this week. So going into week 13, you have Chase Edmonds there. And for the stretch run in your fantasy playoffs, looking for positioning, whatever, you've got Chase Edmonds who has displayed. This isn't a guess. When he's gotten in there, he has been exceptional. So it could be a bit of a split with Kenyon Drake. Maybe he gets more of a workload if Kenyon Drake falls off a little bit because David Johnson appears like his season is closer to being over than not. So there's somebody right now you can get him. He's not going to do you anything this week, but this is for the longer play. With Andy McNamara, our Sportsnet fantasy analyst, two more names I want to bounce off you. I know that you have uh, pinpointed this guy prior. Last week we talked about Darius Slayton, and mm-hmm. he was going into a bye. He said, Maybe this is more of a long-term play because he's not going to help you in Week 11. He's coming off a bye with the New York Giants in Week 12. You're still high on Slayton in New York. Exactly, and that's it's, it's, uh, piggybacks off my, my last point with Chase Edmonds. That was the week to pick him up. Now, he's still widely available, but that, that was the time where, okay, you're looking for wide receiver depth. The Sterling Shepard situation, the concussion, he did practice fully on Monday, but he already has two this year, went back in. How reliable is he going to be? Evan Ingram is still not at 100%. So you're going to have targets. And over this time frame, we have seen chemistry develop between Daniel Jones and Darius Slayton. And that's what sometimes happens with backup quarterbacks in camp and third, fourth, wide receiver options on a team, they're the ones who are practicing together. They're throwing each other the ball because they're not getting first-team reps. And so for Darius Slayton, you see what he's been able to do, and when you come off of uh, before the bye, he caught 10 passes uh, and has four total touchdowns in his last three games. Like It's not a joke. It's not a fluke. It's somebody who, again, if you're looking at NFL.com fantasy leagues, only 8.5% ownership. So I'm saying track Sterling Shepard's health, but this is somebody you want to have on your roster as a just-in-case, especially with the buys. And finally, what do we know? What can you tell us about Nikhil Harry with the New England mm-hmm. Patriots? Uh, oh, Pat, I love, love, love this pickup, man. I do. Uh, this is – the Patriots don't usually draft uh, uh, offensive playmakers with a first-round pick. When they do, you got to pay attention to it. Nikhil Harry – is the body type and is the type of situation that they were hoping they were going to get out of Josh Gordon, who didn't do that much and just isn't the same type of guy. Nikhil Harry, you're going to sculpt yourself a wide receiver, folks. 6'4", 225, fast. He's going to win any jump ball situation. This is the type of player that can open up that stagnant passing game for the Patriots. It's kind of fallen into a lull. Tom Brady, I would think it Harry, and this is the part we don't know as a rookie. Has he picked up the playbook? Has he stayed engaged? He caught three passes coming out. They eased him back in last week. It was only for 18 yards, but they eased him back in. If he gets on the same page and develops any sort of rhythm with Tom Brady, this is the type of guy that Brady can throw the ball up in the end zone, move the chains, whatever, and he can go and get it. Uh, 16th place offense right around the middle of the pack. Like this, I think the upside is huge for Nikhil uh, Harry. This is somebody, if you're in dynasty or keeper leagues, if he's there, you're going to want to slap him up and, and get him on your roster going forward. And again, like a couple of the other players we've talked about, it's one of those adds to your bench for the playoffs because what you don't want 
playoff time, uh-oh, player X got injured, and there's nobody on the waiver wire. This is someone you can hold on to. Great stuff, as always, Andy. Looking forward to Week 12 in the NFL. It's another tough week with a bunch of buys. Go mm-hmm. check out Andy's latest at sportsnet.ca as uh, he has all of those all of those targets and a few more that we didn't talk about if you're looking for an edge in your fantasy lineup. Where can we find you on Twitter, my friend? All right, at AndyMC81. And if you have any fantasy football questions, just use hashtag AskAndy. We'll get to that on uh on Twitter, on the Ask Andy article that comes out Saturday mornings on Sportsnet.ca. And, of course, as you said, off the top of the fantasy show on Sunday. Good stuff, my man. Uh, what's coming up on third and long this week? Oh, well, we're, we're doing deep dive. We're, we're going deep dive. We're going uh, Chris O'Leary of CFL.ca. I'm working on – they're out They're out with you guys right now. All the, the teams are traveling out. So working on which player guests we're going to get. But we're going to get one of those. And then some betting and – Fantasy angles for the Grey Cup. Yeah, there still is the one game off, so we're going to go over that with Ben Kramer and really get you set up between these two teams um, before looking to the offseason on the, the season finale show the week following. Good stuff, Andy. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week, brother. Thank you, man. Oh, anytime. Talk to you soon. See ya. Sandy McNamara from Sportsnet. He's our Sportsnet fantasy analyst and the host of Third and Long across the Sportsnet radio network on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. The same secret recipe since 1975 for pickup or delivery. Call 403-248-3344 and find them at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. This is the Steinberg Show on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Time to turn up the heat. These are three burning questions on the Steinberg Show. Sportsnet 960 All right, Kleiner, what do we got today? All right, question number one. Uh, With the Flames juggling a number of things on that blue line, he's had to deal with uh, a few different defensive partners this season. The answer to this was pretty obvious last year as the the guy who was the top defenseman on the Flames got a trophy for being the best in the NHL. But has Noah Hannafin kind of graduated to being the best defenseman on the Calgary Flames? Um, jeez. He's been he's been pretty good for him this year. He's been uh, he's he's certainly I think taken another step. I still wonder, like, if I were to say who's been the most impressive of all the defensemen this year, I think I would lean towards Rasmus Anderson. To be perfectly honest with you, okay. uh, I, but but I think Hannafin's been really good. Um, there's there's it's interesting because that pairing with him and Hamannick hasn't been as much of kind of a a glue part of this team and almost a constant on the back end and now Hamannick's going to miss tonight's game he's hurt we don't know how long he's going to be out but I would say the two guys that have have jumped off the page to me most this year have been Anderson and Hamannick um, I, I still really like the idea of them playing together as a pairing too um, but yeah Hannafin, Hamannick, Hannafin and Anderson have been the two for me I would say that have, have been the two best for him this season So and it's pretty close so yeah I, I, I think that um, I'm pretty much on the same page with you there. Uh, question number two: What kind of either fine or suspension do you think Garnet Hathaway gets for spitting on another human being? I honestly don't know. I was thinking about this. Like, I what what does that look like? Like, I, I don't know. Uh, I would suggest multiple games, um, but I don't know. Like, what is the precedent for getting spat on in this league? What, like, I don't I don't know. Like, what did Marshan? What happened with Marshan when he licked a guy? Um, now this one is a little bit worse than that, um, but I, like there's not really a precedent for getting spat on. And I know that he took a sucker punch, and I know that the emotions are running high. But like you spit on somebody, that's that's 
pretty over the line. And I don't think that um, he preordained that. He obviously was seeing red and, and kind of blacked out and made a bad decision. But I would suggest multiple games. I, I'm going to go in the three-game range is, is probably what this ends up looking like. But I really, I really don't have a good feel on it because it's something that we see so seldom uh, in pro sports. Uh, last question. Do you feel bad about being so incredibly spectacularly wrong about your prediction for the East final in the CFL? Mm, not really. I mean, <laughs> they, not really. Uh, no, I know. The Ticats are a good team. I, would, I, I will say this. I was a little surprised as to how lopsided it was. Um, I thought that it was a I, – I, this looked like it was going to be a really close game. I texted Bo about midway through. I'm like, I don't think the S's are winning. Um I, I thought it was going to be a whole lot closer than it was, so I was I was wrong about that, no doubt. I mean, I obviously knew there was a very good chance that Hamilton was going to win that game. I just I liked the attitude Edmonton had. I liked what I saw from them against Montreal. Um, but yeah, they they were no match, and they made mistakes early, and Hamilton made them pay for those mistakes early, and that was the most important thing. And that's a really good Tiger Cats team on the other side. You know what I will say as a rebuttal to you though, I am feeling very good about my prediction in the West Division final though i'm feeling very happy about that today i i don't know what you're talking about really was <laughs> good uh yeah, you were very spot on on that one yeah and good I, uh good accurate pass like he nailed that crossbar on the uh final pass of the game hey Fajardo, oh yeah like, no that was yeah he and was again dialed like that, in on the crossbar that that pass was getting broken up anyway like you could see I there know. was safety help coming over there, there was not I a know. chance that thing was getting um that pass was getting completed anyway i will say the team i've been saying all year is most talented is now in the great cup so i'm gonna, gonna take a bit of uh, vindication on that one and just ignore that i've i've picked against winnipeg for two straight weeks and now they're <laughs> in the great cup uh, all right so that's probably enough of me for uh, who are you? Uh, who are you choosing in the Grey Cup? It's I early have yet. You no still... idea. Okay, you don't, uh, you're not even leaning one way at this point. A bit of a lean towards Hamilton. Just they're such a complete team, and the speed they have on the offensive side of the ball is scary. But that Winnipeg secondary is real good. So I'm I'm going back and forth on it right now. I'm I'm leaning a bit time. toward Hamilton, but I think this is going to be a real fun Grey Cup game on Sunday. I'm still I, – I think I'm leaning Winnipeg as it stands right now, but we have time before we need to uh, make definitive predictions on Friday. Uh, good stuff on three burning questions. Tune in Friday for another edition of Lou's Mailbag as part of Hockey Central at noon. Get your questions in at sportsnet.ca slash 960. If your question gets read, you're winning a pair of lower bowl seats to an upcoming Flames game and a $100 gift card to Ruth's Chris. Lou's Mailbag is for Ruth's Chris Steakhouse primetime menu featuring two courses for $44 available daily before 6.30 and any time on Sundays, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Is Zach Ronaldo going to make all the difference? And we have new looks at center, but still not Elias Lindholm at center. Next on Pender and Steinberg, we kick off in five minutes. Sportsnet 960, The Fan.